let all your followers see that it's okay to make mistakes because the only way to fix them is to take ownership. Once you take ownership, now you can change it. You're listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast with professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer. Hey, welcome everybody to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer, and I am absolutely delighted to be here with you today. Uh, It is a beautiful sunny day in North Carolina, and I have somebody from sunny California on the line. I'm so excited to have Christy Garcia. Let me tell you all about her. She is a leadership coach, a speaker, a facilitator, and the founder of Mindful Choice Leadership Academy. You might want to write that down. And she has 18 years of experience in sales recruiting and coaching. It's almost like my long lost sister. And from the last (laughs) 10 years, she has worked with current and upcoming leaders from fast growing organizations, including Airbnb. Oh, I'm I'm curious. Do you think she get free? She gets free stays. I don't know. Twitter. I wish. (laughs) I wish too. But if you do, let me know if you need an extra coach. I'm willing. There you go. (laughs) She's uh, also uh, worked with folks at Movement for Life and Sunrun. One of Christy's superpowers, don't miss that, is helping her clients manage their ego because I bet some of them have big egos and build an authentic confidence so they can show up 100% in both business and life. Christy's modern approach is designed to be simple. And don't we all need that? A little simplicity in this crazy world. And you just have to choose to be 1% better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Christy. I'm so delighted you're here. Thank you, Nicole. I'm so excited to visit with you and, uh, Yeah, provide some good conversations for your audience. Okay, fantastic. All right. Well, first of all, um, Paso Robles. Did I say it right? You did. Paso Robles. Yep. Okay. All right. So I don't know, just um, truth telling, honesty and candor. I've had a bottle of wine from there before that I bought at the local grocery store. So, so are there vineyards (laughs) like right outside your front door? What is going on in your, in your environment? I got to know. Yes, we have, gosh, I think probably over 300 wineries within a 20 mile radius. It's pretty incredible how uh, saturated we are with grapes and uh, great tasting rooms and just the fun culture that comes with it. We're, we're kind of the, the Southern end of, of Napa. So if you, if you don't want the high, high, big wines from Napa Valley, you come down to Paso Robles and get more of the, the Rhone varietals down here. It's really awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So everybody write that down. When you get out to the wineries, call Christy. She will take care of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go get a glass of wine. <laughs> absolutely. I'm, it's on my list. I'm putting it on the list. Okay. Like well, it. we have to get down to business here though. So, you know, my first question always out of the gate is what is your definition of leadership? I'm kind of collecting definitions and playing with this little research kind of I'm doing. So what's your definition of leadership? On the simple level, leadership to me is someone that gets to show up, speak their integrity, hold their truth and inspire others to do the same. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be this fancy role, this big title, all this pressure. If you're doing your best and you're showing up with integrity, you're managing your ego, you're naturally going to inspire and empower others to do the same. And I think that's really what great leadership and what our world world needs right now. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and I, I think our leaders are experiencing all sorts of new things that they never would have dreamt uh, that they would be experiencing. First of all, we have this yeah. crazy thing called Corona running around. Um, and <laughs> um, I have just talked to so many people like, Nicole, we, we need people. We can't find people to work. Yeah. The great resignation is going on. Um, and so we've just got a really weird dynamic uh, environment out there. So so those two things are obvious, but what's maybe one of the more unobvious things that leaders struggle with in your in your mind? You know, I think all those things, it's all the obvious things that trigger our unconscious reactions. Um, and that's really the, the area that I focus on with leaders is what are those unconscious behaviors, beliefs, mindsets? How do we show up? when we're unconsciously going through the motions, which is 95% of the day, because we're just, you know, checking boxes, doing what we need to do, going through um, our task list just to get through our day. We're all in pure survival mode most of the time. Right. And so uh, being able to focus in on the little things, the things we're not even aware of to manage that back is really for me, the game changer. Uh, I like to again, call it ego management. And as far as the ego goes, we all have one. This isn't the loud, arrogant guy that's sitting in the room. Um, this is actually every single one of us sitting in the room. They all look different, but it's the unconscious behaviors, mindsets, and beliefs that basically have us react unconsciously to everyday circumstances, conversations, tasks, and pressure. You know, the ego is driven by stress, emotion, change, unknown, um, instability, all the things we have been dealing with a lot the last two years. So the egos are just going rampant in everybody's world. And it's either creating a lot of procrastination, exhaustion, burnout, and just that overdriver is having to kick in gear full time. Yeah. So I think you did define ego, but I want to slow us down just for a second so that maybe mm -hmm. we can make sure, you know, and I think ego, it's a huge concept, but maybe we don't really understand like what it is. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I remember back in psychology class, we learned about our egos. So tell me, what is your definition of ego? Just so we can kind of foundationally lay that out. And then I want to get into the behaviors, mindsets, and beliefs. You have that little, little phrase down pat. So that must be a little interesting place we need to go. Yeah. So the ego to me is just our unconscious brain. It is the one that's designed from age two, uh, that's a random number, but, you know, back from when we were a small child to right. really, um, it, it was designed to protect us. It's how we got to where we're at. It's how we became successful. It's both our strengths and our weaknesses. Unfortunately, as we get older, it's, you know, been driven by the I, I win, I must be right. I must be liked. Once we get into leadership roles, we get married, we have children, we start to be a team player you really have to shift to the we. And that's that's where most people struggle because the ego is natural. It's the unconscious part of our brain that kicks in when we're not intentionally running our brain. And so if you're not aware of it, then it typically sabotages good intentions, conversations, ideas, decisions, actions. Yeah. So when you said that part about it, it sabotages, I kind of got that mm -hmm. image. So I'm going to date myself right here. But for all of you young listeners, there used to be this uh, cartoon called Jerry. 
It was the mouse and the cat. Tom and Jerry? <laughs> Tom and Jerry. I wanted to say Ben and Jerry's. I think I need ice cream. But anyway. Right? You need yeah. some chocolate ice cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, okay, so I need chocolate ice cream. And uh, there was Tom and Jerry. So there And there was this, always this little image of like a little devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other shoulder. So would you Absolutely. label the ego? The, that was, is that the ego, the angel and the devil or just the devil? Or what do you think about that? Similar. So how I use it is there's three egos. There's the complier, the protector, and the controller. And they pull out our good, bad, and our ugly. And so when we start to overuse our egos and we cross over that threshold, I say about the 33% is when we cross over that line, that's when we start to overuse our strengths. It's when we start to overuse the benefits of that ego and it starts to hold us back. It starts to be the I, I must protect myself. I must isolate someone else is to blame. You start judging, maybe you gossip, maybe you um, withhold the truth because you don't want to upset anybody or rock the boat. Um, Maybe you're the one that has to be right. And so you get very confrontational or difficult to communicate with, or you struggle to collaborate. So you just are that freight train that runs, you know, everybody over and doesn't let anybody on the bus because you're moving too fast. And so, you know, it's, it's nothing real major. It's just figuring out when are you overusing it? Every single one of us has an angel and a devil on our shoulder. Every single one of us has our center. And, you know, when you use all three, that's really when we're our best self, Uh, the Mm. complier. The complier ego, it's the one that's, it's people driven. It's uh, caring, thoughtful, kind. It is motivated by being liked and making sure people are taken care of. Unfortunately, the dark side of the complier ego is that you go along to get along. You might not speak your truth when you're upset. You get passive. So you you take, you take, you take, you take until you can't, and then you explode. So now you're passive aggressive. You know, being able to recognize when are you not speaking up and holding your integrity to try to put someone else's feelings, needs, or wants first. That's all part of the ego's tactic uh, for the complier. For the protector, it's uh, the opposite. The protector is the integrity for all of us. It's where our core values live. It's where our confidence lives. It's where um, we do what's right and we take care of the greater community versus just ourself. Um, So it's the selfless, uh, selfless leader. But when we overuse that, it's very extreme. It's black and white because our values are held there. It's either we do this or we don't. And so we come off very stubborn. We can be, um, we've created boundaries in place. We actually, the, our protector is the one that cares deeply about a lot of, uh, or about very few things or very few people, even though they care about the greater good of everyone, but they love really hard. And so they kind of isolate and compartmentalize their world. So this group gets to know this thing and this group gets to know this thing, but they have a lot of boundaries and barriers and restrictions, which can make them very unrelatable um, or feel very extreme and isolated. And then you've got your, um, uh, the one thing about the protector though, that is where all of our authentic confidence comes from. So it's where our biggest insecurities come from and where our biggest confidence. Um, so knowing how to balance that is really where that grounded leader comes from. It's the cool, calm and collected side of us. And then the controller is the one that is focused on results. They have to, you know, be the best and win and get to the finish line first. And so very competitive. That's a great skill. It's got, it's where ambition and passion and drive lives. It's where we motivate and empower people. Unfortunately, when we overuse that energy, it can come across again as kind of the perfectionist. They never have anything go wrong because they're always good. And, you know, they show up and they've got good energy and they got good uh, positive things to say. So you never hear about kind of their, their struggles. And that's really where people relate to leaders is on the struggle side of things um, to normalize someone's rougher path. 
And so making sure that people are at the finish line with them is their struggle, collaborating, teamwork. Um, A lot of times the micromanager lives in the controller. Hmm, Fascinating. Okay. So I just want to repeat back what, what she said in terms of there's three parts, the complier, the protector, and the controller. Okay. And so um, the complier, I, I don't think I have a lot of that one. <laughs> uh, I think I'm more in the controller category. Uh, so so when I thought about that, I'm like, oh, do you have more one more than the other or use more one more than the other? Is that where personality Absolutely. comes in? Okay, yeah. Because I'm we like, typically oh, have one to two dominant. Yep. You usually have one to two dominant egos. And typically, you know, as we get older, we, we kind of can go back and forth, right? Our world is all about lessons and trial and errors. And as we maybe step into a role, let's say you're a controller and you realize that, oh, micromanaging isn't getting me what I want. And so you start to overuse your complier. So you underuse your controller now and you overuse your complier Mm -hmm. or vice versa. Maybe you're wanting to get a promotion and no one's listening to you. And so you start to overuse your controller and underuse your complier. And so it is finding that dance. And most of us have both. And one thing with complier controllers is that it becomes that Jekyll and Hyde. Those are, if we had to put a visual, the controller is probably the unemotional, you know, uh, person that's all task driven. So they would probably have more of the devil on their shoulder, even though they're really good people. Um, it has nothing to do with their character. It's more of just those unconscious behaviors are tend to be task first, people second, where the complier would be more of that angel, right? The people first, task second. So they, the struggles of the complier is uh, feedback, decisions, uh, hardcore results. And so it's not that they, it's not that neither of them can't do the other. They, it just takes a little more effort and work. You have to consciously jump into that role to say, Hey, I'm going to actually slow down and ask this person how they're doing today versus just jumping into the meeting or for the complier. I'm going to stop asking how they're doing today and just jump into the tasks. And so it's, it's finding that balance for each person. Yeah, yeah, I'm hearing that loud and clear. So it it's like each uh, one parts of the ego has its place. You just like like as you said, we don't want it to become overdone. All right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, how how do you help a leader see or how does a one recognize I'm overdone there? Like it's a little blind spot, as I like to say. Right. So how do you, how mm-hmm. do you help or how could a leader help themselves catch themselves being overdone, not in balance? That's such a great question. You know, the Leadership Academy that we've designed is all about uh, six pillars. The first two pillars is really where we focus a lot of attention. That's about the first three to four weeks. And, you know, you can do this on your own as well, but it's all about self-awareness and ownership. Um, Self-awareness, you have to be aware of what you do before you can change it, right? And so step one is self-awareness. And you... The problem begins, our brain naturally wants to be unconscious. We naturally get busy and that ego keeps us unconscious so that we're just going through the motions and we're kind of sabotaging things that we say we want. And so it takes conscious effort for you to stop multiple times a day and say, hey, is this my best health decision? Am I doing what I need to be doing? Easy way to get to that place is after everything you do, every interaction for a week, I challenge you to just stop and say, what was my impact there? What was my part the last time something went wrong? Like a lot of times what happens is the ego wants to blame someone else when there's a struggle, blame someone else when there's a confrontation, blame someone else when something's not going as planned. And the reality is we all play a role. 
Let's take COVID, for example. We all play a role in how COVID is going on. Whether you agree with it or you don't agree, it doesn't matter. We all play a role in how COVID is playing out in the world right now. Whether it's 1% or 99%, we are playing a role in how this is impacting our communities, our families, our friends, and our world. Um, Right, wrong, or indifferent. And so being able to just stop and say, hey, what is my part? And am I okay with my part? Is that part coming from a conscious place and an intentional place? Or am I just going along to get along? Or am I trying to control? Or am I trying to be right? And now by being just asking yourself those questions, you become naturally more aware and you get to say, huh, that wasn't my best self. Maybe I should do this next time. And so again, it goes back to that self-awareness and perspective. Um, So getting curious is one. Two is the ownership part. Once you take ownership, now you can change it. Just because you're aware something happens, a lot of times think about, again, the last time you got in an argument or a confrontation, You might say, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that. But you're not really owning it, right? The ego is writing it off as like, it was no big deal. Or we just, we forget that it happened and we move on. And so again, it's the ownership component that's actually saying, hey, no, I was a jerk. I need to say sorry for that. Or, whoa, I dropped the ball. I got to take ownership and say, I dropped the ball. I'm going to pick it back up. And I apologize for the inconvenience that created. But again, it's kind of dropping that pride and allowing yourself to be real and not be perfect and let all your followers see that it's okay to make mistakes because the only way to fix them is to take ownership. Mm, Fantastic. All right. So that's pillar one and pillar two. First one Mm -hmm. is self-awareness. Get curious about what's going on now. Listen, um, we're both coaches, both Christy and I are coaches, and we love this thing called powerful questions. Okay. Mm -hmm. And all leaders need to be really good at asking questions. And so I literally, I don't know about you, Chrissy, but I literally, like if I find a question, I'm like, oh my goodness, that is, that is a bar of gold laying right there. I'm going to pick it up, put it in my pocket. Uh, She laid down two for you and I don't want you to miss them. Everybody she said, (laughs) uh, said, uh, what was my impact there? as a, as a point of figuring out what my responsibility is. So like she said, you know, sitting down and going, what was my impact? Like even after a meeting or after an interaction with an employee or with your kid. Right. Um, And then another one she said is what, what is my part to play? Oh, Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm putting that on the master powerful question list. Awesome. Awesome. Good. Yes. And, you know, to piggyback on your impact, because I want to make sure people understand a lot of times you hear, I'm sure as a coach or just as a person in general, we hear, well, that wasn't my impact or my intention. I mean, and the reality is you're making an impact whether you intentionally try to or not. And so having a mindful ability to choose your action, which is where mindful choice came from to begin with, is now you're intentionally creating your impact as a leader, as a parent, as a spouse, as a friend, as a person in the community and in the world. And you just get to show up with more integrity. It has nothing to do with looking for validation, permission, or approval. You're just intentionally creating your impact instead of just letting the ego run rampant and create it for you and hoping that it lands the way you want it to. Mm, I love it. I love it. So impact, you know, being super intentional and don't miss this. She said, that's where mindful choice came from. And that is the name of her company. So go to www.mindfulchoicecoaching.com to check out more of this. However, we're going to press on. We have one and two. Self-awareness, of course, (laughs) self-awareness. And then the next thing is like, you own it right? Like, oh, I made the mistake or, oh, I tend to get overdone right here. So please help me not, you know, fall off the edge. All right. So yeah, all that good, bad and ugly. That's right. That's right. Um, so what is pillar number three? What is pillar number three? Pillar 
number three is ego management. Once you are fully aware of self-awareness and ownership, now you can actually manage your ego because the ego is the one that's driving these motivators. When you start learning around what you do, you know, to really take ownership, you have to know why you do it. Why did you, you know, react the way you did when your employee didn't turn that thing in on time? Why did you react when someone walked into the meeting five minutes late? Why did you react that way when your kids didn't tie their shoe and you had to get out the door, you know, four minutes? Um, Those are all unconscious behaviors that we do. But if you don't know why you're reacting to it the way you do, good, bad, or ugly, then you don't have the ability to change it. And those motivators, those belief systems, those mindsets are really the ultimate thing that we're unconscious of. And it is driving our leadership. It's driving our decisions. It's driving our actions. And so once we know all that, now you can start to manage it. Now you get to, in that moment, going back to that word curiosity and questions, being able to get curious. Once you recognize that the ego is in the room. And again, if there's one ego, there is are many more. Because as soon as there's one that shows up, everybody's going to react unconsciously to that because it is a triggering effect. That's what it wants to do is create more unnecessary drama in your daily decisions, actions, and choices. And so, you know, being able to just stop and say, okay, hey, we're all falling, you know, into this ego pattern. How do we step out of it? Number one, you have to slow down. You have to slow down and really get curious. And then you start asking your questions. Why does this matter? Why does it matter to me? Why does it matter to the group? Why, why are people reacting the way they are? And you have to step out of your own. Remember the I or the ego is focused on I. I win. I must be right. I must be liked. And usually we get defensive when someone is jeopardizing our ability to get to the finish line first. And so being able to slow down long enough to say, hey, this isn't about me. Why does this matter to the company? Why does this matter to our team? Why does this matter to the family? Why does this matter to our customers? And now it's no longer about you. So the emotion gets removed and you're able to come with an intentional uh, response instead of that unintentional reaction. Mm, I love it. I love it. Okay. So pillar number three, ego management. I do this thing, Christy, where I kind of repeat because I think it's really great. I love it actually. (laughs) I think people are on the treadmill, lifting weights, driving the car, cooking their dinner. And they just, you know, what did she say? I don't want to miss that. So the third pillar is ego uh, management. And so the the first thing is to slow down and actually, I think what do ego management, like this is, this is a leadership a to-do list thing, right? A habit yep. to put in place. Um, and then and then I love what you said is to, to ask yourself, why does this matter? Because nobody's going to do anything if they don't get their why straight. Am I right? Absolutely. Like, so true. Yep. And she said, you know, uh, focus on somebody other than yourself because the ego is all about self. So fo- and so why does it matter to the customer, to the team, to the organization as a whole, et cetera? So I love that. Why does it matter? And then uh, I'm going to go back to where you've, you've mentioned this three times now. Mm-hmm. So listen up, folks. This is important. Uh, I to we. That's the, that's the third yeah. time you said yeah. that. So I to we. So and it's yeah. not just all yeah. about me. It's about the greater good, the greater whole, the greater mission, the greater strategy, et cetera, right? Okay, yeah. fantastic. All right, so what is pillar number four? Pillar number four, productive communication. Um, awesome. This is where the magic starts to happen. When we can okay. start to manage our own ego, we start to learn how to communicate so everyone else's ego can hear the message we're trying to make. 
Um, most of the time when we're only communicating from our own ego, we're talking from our own perspective. So controllers talk about tasks, get to the finish line. You've got protectors who want logic and facts and, you know, that black and white, give me tangibles. And they're very extreme with their energy if they don't hear that. Um, and then you've got the complier who is, well, tell me why this matters to the people. And so if you're not talking a language where everybody can hear, that's what typically leads to miscommunication or that that wasn't my intention. Well, that's not really what I meant by that. Uh, we hear those statements all the time when we're communicating with people. And that's because we're talking from a different language. Um, so being able to teach people how to talk to all three egos. So whenever you're in a room, you know how to make sure everybody hears you, uh, which leads to the next two pillars, that alignment and accountability. Once you can talk a language, you can now align people because you're playing on the same team. You know people have good intentions. You're not making someone else the enemy uh, because the ego says they're bad. Mm, that's fantastic. Okay. So the compliers uh, speak in a language that is, uh, how is this going to affect the people? Did I get that mm -hmm. right? And then the uh, controllers are all about the tasks. And then the, hold on, I'm almost there. The protectors are talking about the tangibles. Did I get all that right? Yeah. And I would even uh, clarify a little bit. So the, the protectors are fact driven. So that black and white, give me logic, give me facts, give me studies, give me numbers. Tell me why this actually is factual. Um, and then the uh, controllers is not just tasks, but how to get there fast. Like how do I get to the finish line first um, to win? Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. And I want to go back. I, I serve whenever I get like a little, like, I don't know, something goes off in my brain. I don't know. We got like a little light. Little light bulb. <laughs> yeah, like, wait, hold on. I want to go back. One thing you said earlier about the uh, productive communication, as you said, if you're not speaking to all three of these, you know, bringing the black and white, bringing the uh, task and bringing the people part to it, mm -hmm. um, you get drama. And like, yes. hello, leaders listening. How many of you all love drama? Like, you're like, why uh, do we have drama? I just want to get stuff done. Okay, yes. so so uh, done and drama. Like, you could put them on uh, opposite sides and say, in the middle. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> unproductivity is right there in the middle. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yep. and uh, I think another interesting thing you said is if Nicole, if Nicole's the leader. And my ego is triggered. Uh, and I think that I'm kind of the controller, Derek. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm that person. Um, that's not that horrible. Goes, you have great strengths. We need controllers in the world. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden, uh, I get triggered by that. You said all the other ones get triggered. And so I'm so curious about that. Why, how does that happen? Why does that happen? And maybe like, Tell us a story, paint a picture yeah. of like what that might look like in a meeting or something. It happens all the time. You know, like you, I always say the ego loves drama. It loves the human side of the world and turning it into a mess. And when we can learn to manage that and pull those egos out, there's just a lot less drama. So the, like a perfect example for, um, a controller who creates more drama, unintentional drama, by the way, this isn't like intentional drama. No one intentionally creates drama. If I talk to any one of my clients, they'll sit down. The first thing out of their mouth is like, I hate drama. Everybody hates drama, but it doesn't mean we don't unintentionally create it. So um, an example that you might experience, um, you're sitting in a room in a board meeting and everybody's in alliance. Everybody's talking, everybody's agreeing. You come up with a plan. 
you walk out of the room, all of a sudden, let's say three hours later, you get an email that says, Hey, breaks. I don't really like the way this is going. I think we need to put breaks on. That happens all the time. And usually because what happens, a controller or a protector is running the meeting. There's, they think they're collaborating and not a lot of permission is given to um, the complier or the protector in the room. And so everybody's kind of just in grids or the complier is like, yeah, 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 that's fine because that's how they communicate. I go along to get along. I don't want to rock the boat, avoid conflict at us. Where, so they leave. And now what happens, typically what a complier will do is they'll walk out into another room and they'll start venting. I really don't like this. Can you believe they said that? Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And now the troops are rallied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that either. And so now you got five people who don't like the plan, who agreed to the plan, but now we got to change the plan, right? And so that happens all the time. You're Wait, laughing because you know, right? <laughs> the listeners are having like deja vu Friday, Thursday that happened. <laughs> Once an hour, every time you're in a meeting um, right. these days. Yeah. It happens. And, and it's not a bad thing. It's just recognizing simple things can be put in that situation to help manage the egos, to give people permission to have a space. Now, ego management doesn't happen overnight and it's not perfect and it's always going to show up. So it does take training to learn how to manage your own ego as a leader. So you can truly learn and give permission in a room for people to show up. I always tell people, you know, we can we can change policies all day. We can change rules all day. We can cr- put all kinds of diversity laws in place. But the reality is, is pe- if people don't de- believe that they deserve a seat at the table, you can give them a seat all day. They're still not going to show up when they're there. And so teaching people how to manage their ego so they're confident in their seat, they know they offer value. And then you allow and you give them permission in that setting to say, hey, I want everybody to write down three ideas. And then let's talk about it or let's throw everything on the board before we stick to one, whatever it is. But people think collaboration like that is a waste of time. Well, the three hours of drama that you're having to clean up is taking a lot longer than if you took 15 minutes to do a brain session, you know? And so I think that's where recognizing that the ego wants to isolate. The ego wants you to stay in control or to stay passive and being able to pull out of that and, you know, come together right at the beginning. We're all on the same team. We all are in this together. If we clear up the drama now and all the questions and all the concerns and all the things that will surface, now we can just productively move forward um, when the meeting is over. Yeah. So I I say this thing in one of the speeches that I give, I say, um, uh, you know, you'll have a meeting and yours will be, (laughs) and and you say, are there any questions? Right. And I was like, no, no questions. We're all good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and then everybody goes down the hall and has what I call (laughs) the meeting after the meeting. You know? Yeah. So then another meeting has to get set up to talk about the meeting after the meeting after the meeting. Yeah. And that meeting after the meeting is like where they're like, did you understand what Christy was saying about that? No, I had no idea. It's like. Mm-hmm. We asked you if you had a question and you didn't bring it up, but you know, I, I you know, I don't know who that is. You know, if that's the uh, let's see, let me look at my list. I'm learning from you. The complier, the protector, or the controller, all three of them. You know, it can be all um, three. I mean, that's the thing is our our ego reacts based on the person that's running the meetings, right? If you have a leader who naturally is a controller, even if you're a controller, you're most likely going to fall into a complier or protector that's going to be more passive just because of hierarchy, right? Or you have a controller that's just not going to stay on your team long because they're going to do this all day. So, you know, it it just kind of depends on who the leader is and what their tactics are. We typically fall to one that's 
less dominant when someone else is more dominant. Or if you have a complier leader, this might actually happen. A complier leader will stand and facilitate a meeting. And if they have a bunch of controllers, which a lot of times happens, we hire the opposite, we date the opposite, we marry the opposite because it fills our gaps, right? You should meet David Greer. He's the opposite. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's <laughs> your, he balances everything wonderful about you out. <laughs> that's um, yep. And, you know, I think that's the thing is it's a great thing to have a diverse team like that. But the problem is, is when you don't align, then you all do this. Right. And so being able to recognize that a complier leader who's in front of the room, if they have a bunch of controller protectors at the table, they're going to actually run over that leader and say, we want to do this. Leader's going to go back to their boss. Boss says, wait, that wasn't the plan. And you're like, oh, oops. So then he has to still have another meeting because now he overpromised to his team. That's not going to work. And you have to go clean that mess up. So it, it kind of works both ways. And there's miscommunication from each perspective. It just depends on which perspective we're talking about. All right, Christy. So fantastic. We've gotten through one through four. And so you mentioned five and six, which is alignment and accountability. So let's yes. do a little deeper dive into alignment and then we'll do accountability. This is fantastic. Um, if you think this isn't fantastic, which you're getting the download from, <laughs> again, you need to go visit Christy. I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking every team needs training on this. Yes. before the next meeting. That's what I'm thinking. And so you need to go to www.mindfulchoicecoaching.com and that's where you could get signed up. Okay. I All right. love so, it. I love it so much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Let's talk about number five, number five alignment. So I've got productive uh, communication going on. I understand what I need to say. So I cover all my bases. I don't have any meetings after the meeting. What happens with alignment? So align and accountability, these are my two favorite, right? This is when we start to just be more productive and more effective and more efficient. So alignment is getting everybody on the same page. A lot of times the ego, well, let's just say the ego hates alignment. It hates being a team member. It hates having, you know, people that you have to rely on and count on. Um, you're a lone ranger. You can do it all yourself. You don't need nobody. And so, you know, being able to recognize that and get to this place of alignment, it allows leaders to hold people more accountable and allows people to um, help delegate and strengthen and coach their team members. It allows people to hire the right people for goodness sakes. Um, and to trust that you have the good people, you know, you, as a coach, you probably hear often, I know I do. Uh, well, they're just not the right fit for the team. That is true. Sometimes I will say that's sometimes more of an ego excuse of why I can't work with this person and why they're not getting better. A lot of times what happens is the ego will set expectation, expectations that are unrealistic. And so instead of recognizing that maybe that was a training issue on your part as a leader, instead it becomes, oh, they just, they don't know how to do their job. Well, most of the time we have expectations that someone should come to you fully trained and know exactly how you want something done. Even if they have 20 years experience, they still didn't get taught by you your way and how to do it. And so recognizing that that's a gap. So alignment really teaches people how to just keep everybody on the same team, how to make sure you're not making someone wrong or bad for screwing up, but actually teaching, training and coaching them and helping them get to the finish line with you. One of the easiest ways to do that is staying connected to those bigger outcomes. When we are ego-driven, we talk problems. There's a fire drill. We fix the problem as quickly as possible and we move on to the next problem. That's everybody's pattern every single day every single moment. 
from the moment you wake up, you look at your emails. First question you say, what's the fire drills I have to fix, right? And there's a million of them. There's never, <laughs> there's never an empty inbox. Let's just be real. And so being able to stop the fire drill reaction, which is, you know, there's a problem, you fix it. And that's usually through drama or, you know, miscommunication, all that fun stuff. And then there's a solution, but it's more of a Band-Aid fix, which is what we're seeing a lot in our world right now. A lot of Band-Aid fix. Let's not talk about the real issue, but let's just talk about the symptom. Where when you start to focus on the outcome, this is where alignment comes from. This is where it doesn't matter how different your perspectives are. You can align around an outcome because I guarantee everybody wants to get to the finish line. I guarantee everybody wants to be successful and happy. I guarantee everybody wants to, you know, enjoy going to their job every day and like their the people they work with. So those are things we can all align around. And when we can start to talk about the task in an outcome format. So now we have a problem that arised. What's the outcome we want to accomplish? Now we can figure out that outcome. And now there's passion and you know excitement and the desire to want to fix it, which is what creates that engagement again. And now everybody's responsible for their part. And you start to get the buy-in. And so there's accountability and people can rally around that. Even if they don't love how to get there, they can still align on the outcome. And I think that's the thing we all have to remember. It doesn't matter how we get there. If we get to that outcome, then amen, let's do it and let's do it together. Yeah. Preach sister, preach. Right. (laughs) All right. So, um, so alignment is all about moving from a problem mindset, fire drill mindset to an outcome, bigger perspective outcome. And once you do that, you get people's passion and then everybody can get behind it. Yeah. So I know that you learned this in your coach training, just like I did, you know, that the whole thing a leader's trying to do is take people around the feeling scale. Somehow yes. or another, right? <laughs> so I'm either going to take you up the feeling scale. You're excited. This could bring you joy, happiness, you know, pleasure, mm-hmm. right? Or I'm going to scare you a little bit and say, yeah. if we don't do this, all of these things are going to happen. Um, yep. And so I think, um, you know, the, the outcome is always a better future for all of Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Right. Yep. Right. Let's create some stability for all of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't forget that also ties right in with going from I to we, we can do this and get the bigger outcome for everybody. Everybody wins. Absolutely. Most okay. So you just like tapped it on the shoulder accountability. You know, <laughs> you said, Once we have alignment, then we start to get accountability, but go a little, just a wee bit deeper into accountability. Yeah. Pillar number six, people, if you're keeping up pillar number six, what is it? Tell us all accountability. That. It's, it's doing the hard thing when no one's looking right? This is integrity. This is where integrity lives. It's holding yourself accountable as a leader to make sure you are doing everything in your part to make sure your people are successful. And it's holding everybody else accountable to showing up and delivering what they signed up for t- to do for you, right? And so I think this is where we fall short in the accountability scale in our world. A lot of people don't hold themselves accountable, let alone being able to hold someone else accountable, or we're hypocritical and we hold people accountable for this on them, but then I can break the rules and do this, right? Example, how many times do you tell people don't text and drive? And just when you're on the freeway and maybe you're not driving real fast and you just do a quick peek, no big deal. No one saw. Um, again, it's what are, what are the things you're doing when no one's looking? Because if you're doing when no one's looking, you're definitely doing hypocritical things when people are looking and that's that unconscious connection. And so, you know, ego management, once you learn to manage your ego and you recognize those unconscious things that you do, you're now able to hold yourself to a different level of accountability. 
you can still do those things. I always get asked about week three or four of the program. People are like, God, it's so hard to be my best self all the time. It is. It's hard. And you know what? Sometimes you just don't want to be, and that's okay. But being mindful about it, it's different, right? You get to choose to be a jerk. There's a time just this last weekend, I chose to just be in my pouty, you know, moment of self that I just needed to have a moment by myself. Tell my husband, I don't need you. I don't, I just need to have my moment. Um, because I was grumpy and it was like red wine right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Give me a bottle. Um, no. And so, you know, I think that's the thing though, is when you intentionally choose to be grumpy or mean or not your best self, like at least you're intentionally choosing that. The nice thing is your best self doesn't let you live there very long. So when you're conscious about it, you just don't stay there as long. And the ego doesn't go away. So your worst self is always going to show up. But does your worst self stick around for five hours, five days, five years? Or can you manage it in five minutes and say, okay, I had my moment. Now I need to apologize and show up as my best self and hold my integrity and encourage everyone else to do the same. That's accountability. Yeah. And I, I think what you're saying is, you know, like leaders have to go first and you can't use other people's behaviors as an excuse. You have to just worry, you know, this, this is the part where you do need to do I, I think on account of uh, number six, you might revert back to I, but in that healthy place, how can I manage myself in the highest and best, be my best self. Um, So that, that I provide an example so that we are a good example to others. Right. So I think that that's really, really Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, do they, I, uh, okay, this might be a ridiculous question. I doubt like, it. <laughs> I'm going to let my ego like go play in the traffic right now. Perfect. Um, so, do they have Chick fil A in California? Or are we you know, they on? do actually. This is fairly new, yeah. though. I think in just the last couple years. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's All right. Because that is an organization <laughs> that I think does a fantastic job at building this six pillar thing. And yeah. I, I don't know what their recipe is, but like, first of all, I think they have some self-awareness because people really own their role at, at Chick-fil-A. And this is a great mm-hmm. example because hello, it's fast food and they have very productive um, communication. And they, I mean, like I have, I have never had poor service at Chick-fil-A ever. And here in yeah. North Carolina, I don't know if you've been to one, Christy, but here in North Carolina at lunch, they have like orange cones, two things around the building because you can't. And then they get you through this ridiculous. It's crazy, isn't it? Like five minutes. I mean, it is mind blowing. Um, But I think it's really they've worked so hard at certain things that they've gotten to this accountability place. Like we just provide really good service. That's what we do. Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to that accountability. Everybody has a role there. It's, it's a lot like the in and out model here in California. Um, yeah, they, I mean, same exact thing. You see all these kids, you know, these kids that people say, Oh, they don't have a work ethic. And you go into an in and out and there's about 15 kids working this line. And like you said, it is just a system. Everybody's got a role. Everybody's got a job. Everybody's got a smile. There's fun energy. And you know, it does, it comes back to the leadership when you, when people know what to do, they have, they know their expectations, right? Like as, as a coach, that is one of the biggest things that we always find a gap in is people don't know what they're expected to do. People don't know what their role is. And so that creates a lot of confusion, a lot of unknowns, a lot of uh, instability and unhappiness. When people know exactly what they need to do, when they need to do it, how they need to do it, they show up. It's like, great. That's my part. And then they know why that's important to the greater good. 
now they're valuable. And I think that's that kind of alignment accountability dance is when you put the why, uh, a lot of times people, you know, will complain about uh, a team member who just, they're, they're last to get their numbers in for, you know, the sales report or whatever. And it's like, well, have you told them how that's impacting you? Because that's an unconscious behavior. When someone is, you know, just lacking on time management, that's something they're not fully aware of, or they don't know how to solve it. And so being able to say, hey, you know what, when you give me this five minutes before, it actually holds up everything or I have to work three hours later at work, right? No one wants to make someone, no one wants to be that impact, right? Again, it goes back to that unconscious impact. And so I think when we start to really remind people their value, why their role is important, even if it seems small and minuscule to the bigger organization, with if there's a role there, that means it's important to make the whole thing work. And so uh, really helping people understand that they're part of this bigger cause, part of a bigger we. And each I has to show up fully as their best self for that we to be incredibly successful. Mm, I love that. And uh, earlier I wrote this down. I didn't get the question asked, but uh, I, I will interject it here because you you said it again. And so, it, but, you know, that's when we have to like pull it out and make <laughs> look at it. Um, you know, I have a lot of leaders that, you know, are have angst. Um, and dare I say this, maybe even are like, complaining to me they're like I don't know what's up why don't people think the way I think and, <laughs> yeah and and you know I was uh, interviewing somebody the other day and they're like I would never want people to think the way I think and um I was like wait hold on I don't mean like group think and I don't yeah. mean this flyer thinking that you're talking about mm-hmm. I mean like you know people don't know what you want them to do unless you vocalize it you know what I mean people are yes. mind readers you know and if you don't set expectations, it's really, really huge. And so leaders have to slow their jets and they need to say, when somebody you're done talking to somebody at the drive-thru window, you say, it's been my pleasure. And it's not not optional. Absolutely. Like that is a requirement of your job. (laughs) not optional because I'm, you know, but please don't have a meeting after the meeting to talk about what it's hilarious. I love that so much. Um, You know, that is so, it is so common to hear that. I mean, like you said, as a coach, you hear all those unconscious comments that people make and that's one of them. You know, why don't they just take initiative? Well, what do you want to take initiative on? Well, just anything. And it's like a lot of times what happens with leaders, our egos don't know how to communicate what's in our head. We just know what we don't like. And so teaching yourself how to communicate what's actually the thing is that you want them to do. For example, I had a client and they uh, run a construction organization. He would always say, gosh, I just wish they would take initiative. You know, I, I walk in here and I see a million things that need to get done. Like, well, let's write that stuff down because no one knows that that stuff needs to get done because no one loves your business as much as you do. And so, you know, being able to translate that, oh, when I walk in this gate and here's the trick actually for leaders. So you're not feeling like you're telling people what to do and becoming that micromanager to say, oh, you have to do this, this, and this, and this isn't optional. Try, hey, meet me at the fence or at the gate for this example. Meet me there at six o'clock tomorrow. I want you to walk through my day with me. And instead of you walking in there and you looking at this without telling anybody, you say, Hey, what do you see? 
tell me how you're going to plan your day from this moment and let them tell you most of the time, likely their brain is blank. It's like, I just need to get to my desk and see what the inbox looks like. And then I'll start there where as a business owner or a manager or a leader, you see it differently because you've already thought about it for a whole hour before you even got to the office to say, this needs to happen. And you have this conversation this has to you know, take place. And so being able to say, okay, well, I see that these, these, three trucks need to be washed immediately before they can even leave the instruction site. And this one needs to get a cone on it because it doesn't have one And this one. And so being able to walk through that thought process helps your team members, especially the ones that are working directly underneath you, how to think like you. It's not that you want them to be your mini me, but they have to learn that bigger picture so they can elevate into leadership themselves. Otherwise we just are creating a bunch of doers and task-driven people that are checking boxes because that's all you've asked them to do. You have to elevate their thinking by elevating your own thinking to then communicate it. Yeah. Oh, that was really good. Rewind right there. Listen to that. Okay. So uh, is, is that a thing? Do we rewind? Take your mouse, hover it over and slide it backwards. I don't know what that's Right? Called. It's like the dial phone. There's now a, an emoji for that. You have to like move it. It's the 30 second, you know, arrow. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, um, I'm just going to share this little thing um, because I think it goes very well with what you're saying. Uh, well, well, my brain's going a million places. Well, I got one. I'm going to say this first and then I'm going to say that. So here's what I'm going to say first. Leaders. Hello, leaders. You have a ton of experience that your people yeah. don't have. Mm-hmm. And that's why they can't see or think the way you think. They have to be introduced to it so that now they have, they have the pathway to go down. Okay. So the first thing is, is don't forget how much experience you have. And, you know, Chrissy, I never grow tired of doing these interviews and stuff, but like (laughs) there are times where I'm like, do people really want to know about this? You know, because I already know the subject, but it's like, there's a whole group of people that need to be taught. I mean, you need to build what yeah. Peter uh, called, you know, a learning organization. You got to teach, you got to mm-hmm. teach, you got to teach. Okay. So the second thing I was going to say is um, I worked for a guy um, for a long time. His name was John Gray. And he uh, would call us once a quarter and he would say, and I was in property management. I used to run beautiful apartment communities, Christy. Nice. And, and it was a love-hate relationship. Like I'm sure. <laughs> Because you lived where you worked, you know. Um, yes. But then I loved all the people I leased departments to, and they were my friends, and all that was great. But anyway, and I was very, you know, I was young and it was fun. Yeah, I um, thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> So, um, but he would call us and he'd say, which first of all, don't miss this. He's the CEO. I think at one point we had like 83 apartment communities, 83. And they wow. were from like Delaware to Texas or whatever it was. And he, he would call and he'd be like, I'm going to come out to your property, you know, on whatever, January 13th. And um, I just want to let you know I'm coming and I'm going to spend the day with you. We're going to walk yeah. around. We're going to look at stuff and I'll be available. If you need stuff, make me a list. You know, I'm yeah. going to talk I'm going to talk with your, back then we called them maintenance men, but now you call them <laughs> supervisors or something like that. You know, I they, love it. The industry is so elevated from when I was there, but he's like, and so, you know, I'll take you to lunch. Tell Craig, that was my, my maintenance guy. Well, I'm going to take him to lunch. We're going to go to lunch. You guys pick a place. And then, you know, we'll talk about what we want to do this quarter. And it was so conversational and so like easy, but here's Mm -hmm. the thing. 
the guy is coming. So do you know how hard we the worked? panic is real. <laughs> <laughs> we worked so hard the week before the 13th because yes. I now this is this ego too, Christy. Like we, I want to do good. Yeah. I want him to like me. I want him to be pleased with us. And so, buddy, our ego, I think our ego kicked in. And buddy, we worked our we staying late picking up every cigarette butt in the parking lot. And absolutely. You know, yeah. And and that was that was the best way because he would still find stuff. He'd be like, you know what I'd like y'all to do? Could you do this for me? And we'd be like, yes, we can. You know, he was enjoying whatever it. you want. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So is that ego? Those are all egos, you know, the ego of comfort. Let's just go. So I'll point out some of the ones that happen. None of these are bad. So I want to be very clear. None of these are bad. We all do them. They're unconscious behaviors. And so again, it goes back to the more we recognize it, the more you're going to realize you do it all day. You do it. I do it. Everybody does it. Um, so right. take ownership. You might as well own it. Everybody else right. around you sees it except for you. So you might as well own it. That's right. Pillar two. Um, got it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got, uh, let's go back to the, he calls a week before you guys go into crash course. Right. And because if we go into the ego, you guys were in your covers. I was like, Oh, it's no big deal. Everything looks good. Everything's fine on a day to day. It was, Oh, but if the boss is coming, it's not up to par. Right. And so there was already lack of accountability, um, to hold the standard and the integrity of the place whether it was a lot or whether it was a little, probably not that big of a deal. But again, that's what happens with everybody, right? Even our homes, when you go to sell your home, how who paints and who cleans the gutters and who does all this stuff to put it on the market, right? Where if we just got to enjoy that because we did that regularly, like you could just get to enjoy your home. You don't have to go into fast forward to make it someone else's dream home when you leave. Um, and so again, that's, that's part of the ego, comfort zone. We all get lazy in our comfort zone. Um, two is his ego. He probably wasn't aware that he put everybody into a panic. So if he just called and say, Hey, I'm really not worried about things. This is what I want to, you know, these are the three things I want to communicate with you guys about. And then the rest is just going to casual visit, like no big deal. Like it would have probably kind of set some of that tone and set you up for a little bit of what he was doing, where he might've been a protector controller that didn't even realize he was looking for things, but he had un- unspoken expectations that probably he would send a report or things that needed to be fixed after he left every visit, right? <laughs> or things of that sort. That's usually what happens. We had a list every time. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I think recognizing at a leader, as a leader, there's always expectations. So if you say, well, I don't really care. I'm not attached. Eh, we're all attached to something. So even being attached to not being attached, you need to be okay with that because you're going to be attached to something when, when things come up. And so just getting really, again, curious and honest with yourself in that ego uh, role there. And then the the last one is I think having that very casual conversation without guidance can also be, we've all been in those meetings where it's like, well, I don't really know why they were here. That was kind of unproductive. And so again, being a little more formal as a leader in your conversation so that there aren't all of those questions or like, you know, it, it, it adds more value. Like make sure you're adding value when you interact with your team. Don't just have a meeting. Don't just have a pop-in visit. Don't just do this. No one really wants that. And it's unproductive because there's always something that you can do again, to improve yourself or to improve someone else. And it doesn't have to be this big, massive structure task, but it can just be to where there's purpose behind why you're there. Because there is, you wouldn't go if there wasn't purpose. Um, and if you're just checking a box, then your ego is in that comfort zone as a leader going to check on your team. 
Well, stop just checking on them and add value to their world, add value to their, their day, figure out how you can help make their life easier and fix some of the struggles they're having. If you're just going to check on them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to clarify, I may not have said it, but he did, he did fix things for us. Like we would show him, we would show him, we'd be like, do you see this? This is leaking. And we told him. beyond Craig's level of expertise. Like we need a, a roofer out here or whatever, you know, awesome. and he'd, yes. he'd look at it. He'd be like, absolutely. We do. He'd take pic, you know, take pictures. And that's and go great. Crazy. Yeah. So he absolutely did that. And, and to, and to be totally honest, I mean, I, I think that, um, that built me what, what I wanted, my point was, is I, I could see what he wanted. I could see his expertise. I, I saw things, but he never made me feel small. That's amazing. Those are great leaders. Yeah. You know, you know how some leaders will shit all over you and like, he never shitted on us. He, he just would be like, (laughs) let me bring this to your attention, you know? Um, So it was really, really good. But I uh, love that so much. And that I think is a perfect example of great leadership, right? It doesn't matter how you show up again. There's no right, wrong way to be a leader. It's just a matter of how are you making the person in front of you feeling? Are you encouraging and them empowering and inspiring them to be better? And if you are, again, whatever that approach is, you're leading and you are making a difference. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. So you all listening are so stinking lucky. This has just been the best free coaching you've ever gotten in your life. Oh my gosh. All right. So don't miss this. What we covered today is we talked about the three main egos. Um, We've got the definition of what an ego is. Uh, We got the six pillars of starting to deal with the ego. What do you, what do you call the six pillars? Is that the, 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 the mindful choice pillars? Is that how you label The mindful choice leadership Academy. So those are the modules within the academy. Mm-hmm. Okay, fantastic. And so you got like, you know, she opened up her textbook and laid it down six different <laughs> things. So that's so beautiful. All right. So my last question for you is, um, you know, there's one person listening that's like, oh, wait, don't go. Tell me one more thing. One more <laughs> nugget. Give me one more nugget. So one more nugget for the road, Christy. I love it. You know, my last piece of nugget is, uh, or my last nugget, um, you know, choose for this year, choose to be intentional, uh, be 1% better every single day. That's all it takes. And by this time next year, you'll be 365% better. So figure out what your 1% is. Oh my God, y'all. That was money. All right. Put that in your pocket. <laughs> 1% better every day, 365% better by December 31st. And then you can have champagne or you could go visit Christy out in uh, California. And yeah. Come on out. Bring your whole team. Let's do this. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So Christy, everybody wants to get a hold of you. So will you tell us what your, uh, what the best way to get a hold of you is and mention your website, please? Absolutely. You can definitely reach me, um, on my website, mindfulchoicecoaching.com. You can also reach me on LinkedIn. That's a big one. So Christy Garcia on the LinkedIn spend, uh, mindful choice coaching, if you want to, or mindful choice leadership Academy is our page on LinkedIn to learn about, you know, some content and articles and things that we're posting to help, you know, deepen some of this learning. And then of course, just your Instagram, uh, social sites. So, uh, mindful choice underscore on Instagram and Facebook. And then you can also email me anytime, Christy at mindfulchoicecoaching.com. I'd love to hear from you and connect and see if there's anything I can do to help you manage your ego. 
Okay. Well, there you go. You got even more goodies. So don't miss what she said. Go to LinkedIn, go to the Mindful Choice Academy page. Did I get that right? You'll go to Christine. It'll be a link. Click go. And then there's just more goodies sitting there. Don't Absolutely. miss it. There's more goodies sitting there. All right, Christy Garcia, it is so good to be with you. I appreciate your genius and helping us to build a vibrant culture. We're really, really grateful. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been a real pleasure. Ready to build your vibrant culture? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her strategies, systems, and smarts to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Your organization will get lit from within. Email Nicole at NicoleGreer.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at NicoleGreer.com.